I think it is very easy for black people to say, our voice isn't being heard. Biracial people's voices aren't being heard. And I'm gonna tell you why this is so close to me. I have a little sister who I don't consider half because I don't like that. Her mother is white. My father is Jamaican. Hearing her experience broke my heart of how black people treat her. Is your hair weave? You think you're better than me. Oh, you think you're bad, this and that. It's heartbreaking. She has an experience as a biracial woman and no one allows her to talk. No one allows people like you to talk or you to talk and say, I get discriminated against. People think I'm better than them when I just walked in the room being born how I was born. I didn't do anything. So as black people, we tend to have a loud voice. Yes, there's colorism and dark skinned people don't benefit from that. But the people that benefit didn't ask to be there either. What's good, y'all? I am Donovan, and welcome to another installment of Stranger Fruit. This is the second half of our conversation on biracial identity. If you have not listened to part one, take it from me. You should check it out, but this can still work as a standalone episode. We have already gotten so much feedback on this topic on social media, so please make sure you are following us at The Stranger Fruit. So, if you don't already know, this is a one-of-a-kind video podcast experience bringing you unfiltered, thought-provoking conversations from some of the most brilliant young voices from the black and brown diaspora. We discuss and debate a variety of topics from politics and race to pop culture, media, and the latest news impacting our lives. We may not always agree, but we are firm believers that conflict and compassion are a great recipe for empathy. If you find yourself wanting to put a face to these names and voices, you can find us on YouTube in all our Technicolor glory. Now, let's take it back to our home studio at the Gentleman's Factory in the heartbeat of Brooklyn. Special shout out to Juice, Dr. Donna, Nikki, Shayvon, Isam, Tiffany, Alex, Florida, and my co-host Ileana for joining me for this conversation on the biracial experience in the Black community we call Biracial versus Black. Who has the privilege? Tiffany and I kick it off getting into her parenting style as the mother of a biracial child. So for you specifically, Tiffany, I'm coming <laughs> to you, is because you are raising a biracial child. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself as a black parent raising a biracial child, what is your approach? How do you see that as, as a black a parent? As a parent of a biracial child, I refuse to box Jeremiah in. That's my son, he's 10 years old. And I've always told him since he could talk and he could communicate with me, he's the best of both worlds, right? You're, but he's, his proximity is more to my family because the white side of his family is in California. So he doesn't see them as much. He goes to a black church. He goes to all white school, but he's raised by a black mom. He goes home to a white dad, but when he's around my, he's usually around my family. So I remember maybe, maybe just about a year ago, I don't remember our, our family's having some kind of conversation and someone says something about Jeremiah being light-skinned. He was like, I'm not light-skinned, I'm black. <laughs> And so it was interesting because I've always told him he's the best of both worlds, but he identifies as black because he's always around us. He has, he's kind of got that swag. Like, you know, he gotta wear his hoodie, he like, likes hip hop, all the like little nuances that come along with being African-American. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you can't just erase your dad's contribution to who you are. But I think because once 
the summer comes, he gets a little bit more melanin. He hits the sun, hits him. <laughs> you can definitely tell my son is biracial. And they always say, well, he's like Visa. He's accepted everywhere. But I have to tell him, I oh raise him <laughs> in a way to let him know you're going to come in contact with people that look like your mother. And they're not going to like you. They're going to be on guard because they're not going to trust you because they're going to wonder whether you think you're better than them. And I said, your two cousins who are the same age as him or you're younger who are both darker skin like me, I said, they're going to be places where they go and they're going to be di treated differently. And every single time I'm going to expect you to stand up for them. Every single time. I was like, because at the end of the day, no one chooses to be in this color skin that they're in. But you can choose to identify how you want to identify, but make sure that you're also protecting those around you who feel ostracized, who feel marginalized. And this, in this case, happen to be two, your two cousins who are the same color as your mother. Because you do have light privilege. So I teach him. I have those conversations with him because I don't want him to be shocked when he's around black people. I'm like, oh, I don't like you because you light skin. Mm -hmm. You know, I want you to be prepared for those conversations. But he also already recognizes just from the melanin in his skin that the white boys in his school kind of treat him a little differently. He doesn't get invited. Like he's starting to recognize those things on his own. And because of that, he chooses to identify as, yes, mom, I'm the best of both worlds. But I feel more comfortable identifying as black. Because I think also what he sees in society is that just a little bit of melanin can get you in trouble with the police or just a little melanin, someone's following you around the store. So I think those things he's also starting to, you know, see within himself. But at the end of the day, I make sure to have conversations about both sides of his history. But I don't really have to do too much of the white history. Why? Because he learns it in school. Mm. I have to actually teach him his black history. But he, he doesn't get it except for Black History Month. And every month he's like, they're just teaching us about Martin Luther King mom. They ain't teach us about nothing else. And, and you know what I mean? But you and I talked about the even civil rights leaders. A lot of people don't realize Rosa Parks, Booker T. Washington, Frederick Douglass, August mm -hmm. Wilson, one of my favorite playwrights. These people are civil rights leaders. And if it wasn't for them even having some of the, using some of their privilege to get That's into certain spaces that That's people like us, we wouldn't have, we would still be sitting at the back Correct. of the damn bus. Correct. So That's we can't just completely discount what their contribution is to black America and some of the freedoms and the things that we've been able to accomplish. Yeah. And, but we shouldn't all, we also shouldn't just say, oh, because of light-skinned people, we got freedom. Come on, son, don't do that. Right, like that don't make sense. Thank you for that, Tiffany, thank you. Because like, even like the story of Rosa Parks, is, it wasn't her story. No, it's yeah. It was Paulette Colvin's story. Yes. Exactly. And because she yes. was the wrong color, because she was too poor, yes. because she didn't have the right optics, they decided to co-op that story and do it again. Exactly. Yes. Right. And they did it again because they did not feel that anyone would have sympathy for a darker skinned somebody. Do you think that do and you think it was true though? Yes. People would not have had sympathy because black people don't often have sympathy. So, so like even with the names that you named, Tiffany, I'm also just like, yeah, and these are mixed race yep. and light skinned leaders of, you know, of the civil rights movement. And I'm just like, and where are the dark skinned leaders? Go ahead, quick name three. Yeah. Oh my God. But <laughs> right? If I can well, offer right? something, well, it becomes Because we keep doing do. that. Let's not do because, that. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for the divisiveness, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I appreciate the use of one's privilege to further a conversation. But at what point do you get out of the way and allow dark skinned people to speak for themselves? 
Because is this not the same issue that we often also see where white people don't want to hear about black issues unless a white person is saying it? Right. Okay, but Men don't want to hear about women's issues unless a man is saying it. And I'm just like, at some point, I want to be able to talk for myself and be heard without somebody saying you're being divisive or to insert their story here where it did not belong in the first place, like that original um, that well, original interview that you were talking about. Because I'm looking like, well, the fact that you even asked if colorism exists shows me your privilege to believe that it doesn't. Yeah, that's that was wild. Yeah. Yeah. She was a Nikki, total space yeah. cadet, sorry. She was. I want, uh, Nikki, <laughs> because Thank I you, feel Dr. like I'm, what I'm not going to do is take away someone else's voice. And I'll tell a really quick personal story as to why this activates me. I think it is very easy for black people to say our voice isn't being heard. Biracial people's voices aren't being heard. And I'm going to tell you why this is so close to me. I have a little sister who I don't consider half because I don't like that. Her mother is white. My father is Jamaican. Hearing her experience broke my heart of how black people treat her. Is your hair weave? You think you're better than me. Oh, you think you're bad. This and that. It's heartbreaking. She has an experience as a biracial woman and no one allows her to talk. No one allows people like you to talk or you to talk and say, I get discriminated against. People think I'm better than them when I just walked in the room being born how I was born. I didn't do anything. So as black people, we tend to have a loud voice. Yes, there's colorism and dark skinned people don't benefit from that. But the people that benefit didn't ask to be there either. And we don't give them the room to speak their experience and say, hey, just because I benefit doesn't mean I don't experience prejudice. Doesn't mean these same black people who want agency don't shit on me. I think that's unfair. Mm -hmm. We can't say as dark-skinned people, you're getting privileged and we don't have a voice when we are sometimes the ones that give the hate to biracial people. That's unfair because they didn't ask to be born how they were born. That's why it's like, yes, we deserve a voice, but so does everyone else. Thank you, Nikki. I see you shaking yes, your head, Issam. I think that their voice is in this lane and that it should be in this lane. I think that you're right. Yes, they should have a voice and those experiences need to be talked about, but that's not what's happening. What's happening is that they're being put at the forefront of the voice of all black people while they have a biracial experience and the biracial experience, I'm sorry, is not black. But some of the people I just named, Booker T. Washington, I didn't know he was biracial. Right, he's, he's having a color. very black experience. He was Wilson, right. I didn't know he was biracial. You know, like, they just some, like So you some, can speak some, on the black these, parents some, because they some have Some people it. who are darker skinned, and this is again, you can go either way, right? We already know that, I don't know if you're familiar with the Eve gene, a black woman can have a baby of any race, mm -hmm. even if she's with a darker skinned man, mm -hmm. right? In any color of the spectrum. So I think we need to be just aware of um, just pigeonholing biracial people and saying that they're at the forefront. But I do agree with you in the fact that um, darker skinned people, when they have the same experience, or even in corporate America, like someone has the same degree as me, might speak, and, and they still get paid more. I do think that biracial people need to be conscious of the darker skinned people who are going, who've been sure. saying the same thing. It's almost like the same situation with the Kardashians. They're getting the they're Everything. getting credit for uh, they're getting right no, they're getting the credit for prison reform everybody knows now there's four black dark skinned black attorneys who have been working behind the scenes way before right. Kim got involved with anything <laughs> let's talk about it let's be about it so yeah. why is it and but she's white but my whole point is is the same thing is like there are people who are into mixed race who are getting credit but there are people who are also dark skinned who are not 
ever getting, being brought. And I would love for interracial people or mixed race people to bring them along and say, yeah, and this person has been fighting even longer than me. Right. I think that's what you're saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Don't forget. Don't about forget. Us. We've been here. I do appreciate that nuance because that is what's missing. Yeah. I want to go to Islam to see if you have anything to say and then we can go to you, Shavon. No, what I was thinking while you were talking was I'm not as concerned. Well, I'm, it's not that I'm not concerned about white spaces. My first concern is home, right? So yes. like amongst my people, how do I stand? Where is my voice heard? And so as you're expecting the hand to be held to push you forward, I'm waiting for the hand to be pushed at home and say, mm -hmm. no, you are a part of us. Yeah. So that when that happens, it feels like, okay, there is representation there, but a lot of times I feel like my voice is muted mm -hmm. um, and my experience is, it's all tragic mulatto. Oh, mm. so sad for you, yeah, you know, your okay. light skin experience. It wasn't that rough. It was rough for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't easy. And you feel like there were never spaces within the black community where you can be honest about that rough experience. No, not at all. There, yeah. there wasn't room for it because other voices were louder. Other yeah. voices didn't have a certain privilege that my, you know, my the students in my school felt that I may have had just for being light with green eyes. It's like, do you feel that you had privilege? I didn't, not at all. You didn't think so? I didn't feel like I had privilege. Every day I was either bullied, made fun of, talked about at school. Then I would go home and my grandmother would be like, get the black one this. You know, it was always like a, you go there, not welcome. You go here, not mm -hmm. welcome. And mm -hmm. so I didn't feel privileged at all. I just felt like, hmm. But what about systemically? Did you feel systemically privileged in any way? Well, my, my environments were always black. Like, okay. I'm raised in a black neighborhood, black school, you know, friends are black. So, like, Even outside of that, too. it was, I didn't get into, like, a until, until I started working for the state. I didn't feel, I felt like my voice was being heard, and I was able to bring people up and mm. say, you know, because I always wanted community. So, it was always my role, I felt, to bring people along with me who spoke about, who knew more, who had mm. more education, who had more knowledge, more lived experience to do that. I don't feel the same way happens when it comes the other way around. So like if I go to a casting, like we're gonna talk about the black experience, we're casting black men. Okay, we can't cast you because you're black, but mm, we can't do that. We can't do that, we're gonna do this. And so I feel it on a lot of different levels mm. and it's not just so black and white, right? It's no, just not it's so not. black and white. That goes back to, <laughs> I think that goes back to proximity of whiteness because I think why a lot of times interracial people, their voices are not heard, in the black community or the black people aren't or black community isn't as welcoming is because the perception that white people are gonna to listen to you and your story all the time yeah. because you're in you're interracial, your proximity to them is closer. So we don't have time to listen to you because we're trying to figure out how we're gonna get heard. And I think that's what you end mm -hmm. up getting. You get into that ditch on accident. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just like, well, we're not being heard, but we know they're gonna to listen to you. So your story, we don't need to hear because you're gonna be able to tell it to all of them. The people that we're trying to get to hear our story because they're gonna look at you first before they look at us because that's, there's that whole hierarchy thing. And I think we have to erase that because they're not really listening to you neither. But in our mind, cause your proximity is closer, they're hearing your story. They're looking for you. When they come and say, we want the black experience, they're picking the biracial people, the liars can biracial people. And I think that's what Donna was talking about was they don't go for the people that really might have some, like they always try to find somebody who is in close proximity to white and their story might not have been as bad because maybe they were raised by the white parent or they were raised in the white spaces. They never find that interracial person that was 
in the black community that was raised by their black family or raised within the black, they always go for that proximity. Mm. And so I think we have to stop our perception of who's closer, whose voice is getting heard by them should not be as important. And that's when we can bring in more more interracial people into our into mm. the community. And, and before you go, before you go, Doctor Donna. Before you go, Doctor <laughs> Donna. Don't. I want to bring Alex into the conversation, and I like to hear from you too, Shavon, about this idea of privilege. For you, did you feel like you experienced privilege? You talked about West Virginia versus yes. New York and that privilege. But what about with Black folks? How have you been treated? Oh, I honestly, I would have to agree with Isam. It's actually a bit harder for me to break myself into black spaces. And I understand, like, why. And same with what Siobhan was saying. There is this, like, are, am I safe? Will you? Will I be safe around you? Are you here to protect me? And from what I hear, it's what I've come to suggest or come to grapple with. It's all a trauma response, right? We're like yes. all reenacting these like traumas that we've experienced onto each other. And simply, I believe the only way to have a liberatory future is if we like stop, recognize, and heal that trauma. Because every time you tell me that I might not be safe to you, I totally understand it. But I, how does I that understand make you where feel? It causes it's causing that trauma, right? We're just like continuing to live in this cycle to where like we are upholding white supremacy by dividing ourselves within this way. They want us to keep dividing ourselves because it makes us smaller in numbers Mm -hmm. as a minority. So yeah, I do feel like we just keep like kind of replicating this trauma as a community by telling each other, you know, I might not be safe around you. I understand, but it is hard to grapple with. And it's it's taken a lot of work for me to like be able to have these conversations, right? but my understand that I do have trauma, but that might be different in different situations and somebody might, it might actually be more constant for some people than it is for me. That's uh, called the push and forget syndrome. That's what I call it. It's we're pushing you away. So now you're on the outside saying, we're not safe with you. I don't feel like I'm safe with you. So I'm gonna leave you alone. But then I turn around and I forget that I did that. And I turn back around like, why is she standing over there? You think you got it there? That's so First of all, funny. I love your syndrome. It's the push away syndrome. You push and you forget. And then you turn around like, oh, you don't want that? And then you look at so white. You like, push it away. Like, Come on, doctor. Like, doctor. You just have to hold it I welcome. But now you're saying she's too good. It can't be both. But it's trauma. When you're in trauma and you're in survival mode, you don't be thinking about that kind of stuff. So I want to stay away from you. But I also am looking like, oh, you don't want to sit next to me. Not if you're pushing her like you gotta pick pick a poison and it's and it kind of reinforces the 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 social aspect of race because it isn't a real thing it's not based on science it's only subject to who is peddling it. Mm-hmm. And so if white folks are the ones peddling it, they're the ones making the rules and the, you know, who gets to be this, that, and the other. But then in a, at a certain point, I think our culture has also shifted towards labeling each other and putting each other into oh, certain yeah. categories. Because even as I'm listening to the biracial experience, I can also relate, even though I'm not biracial, I'm not white and I am not black. So even I, as I navigated the American system, because I'm not from here, I also felt very much like put in a box. Or I did, personally did feel a certain sense of privilege in certain spaces, and I could tell that people treated me differently than they treated my black friends. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to deal with that. And my parents never talked about race with me, ever. Because I don't think they even understood it Mm -hmm. in the Puerto Rican system either. And so it's very interesting how the pers- the human perspective of race continues to put people into categories or com- continues to other people. 
at the same time, there's still a very real lived experience to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. parents do a really great service to kids by not having conversations about race. It's like saying, it's like the same idea of saying, oh, let's be colorblind. No, it's okay to, mm-hmm. to acknowledge that there are these differences and there's the new nuances and help them to navigate it. That's how I'm raising my son. Like, I would do him a great disservice if I would just say, all right. You're half black and half white now. Go out there. No. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about your history. You already know American history. You're going to learn that. Let, learn your black history, right? And as a matter of fact, why don't you learn some history about Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, because you're going to be mistaken. People talk to him in Spanish all the time. I was like, listen, son, you better learn it now because it's going to happen because he's racially androgynous. You know, they won't know what he is. He usually gets mistaken for a Latino or Latino ex. Tiffany brings up a great point here as she speaks about how people will see her son Jeremiah. According to a journal review out of the University of California, Irvine, entitled America's Changing Color Lines, Jennifer Lee and Frank D. Bean project by the year 2050, one in five Americans will claim a multiracial identity. This is happening whether people want to admit it or not. I argue we have to talk about race and prioritize dismantling racist structures so that kids like Jeremiah aren't subjected to a racially divided world that refuses to acknowledge all of them. Okay, let's pick back up with Tiffany. I think that parents have to, especially if you're in a biracial relationship and you have biracial kids, you cannot ignore their racial makeup. And it is on you to take on the time and the energy to prepare them for what they're going to see and what they're going to experience in the world. Because guess what? As a white man, my my ex-husband, he cannot raise my son. He doesn't have the bandwidth or the experience to give him the tools to be prepared to be, he's gonna be a black man. He's gonna be seen as a black man. So now my partner now who's a black man can tell him, Jeremiah, don't do this. Watch when you do this. Be careful. You can't do that. But as a white man, you can say, unfortunately, yeah, I do have some privilege. Here's how they're going to look at you. And as his dark-skinned mom, I can say, hey, you know, this is what you're going to be putting up with. This is what's going to come at you. And some of our own people might reject you. You've got to prepare. If you're thinking about getting into an interracial relationship or if you have an interracial child, stop hiding from the conversation. Stop. Make it Stop happen. It. Talk to them. Have empathy. Ask what they're experiencing at school, how they feel when they see images of black men or white people, um, you know, uh, black men dying at the hands of police when their dad is white and their mom is white. Ask them how they feel. I make my son sit with me. I'm like, no, we're not running. Watch. How does that make you feel? Because one day you're going to drive. I know how I feel when you're going to get your license. You know, and I can tell you certain things, but at the end of the day, I still need your entire support system, my brother, even your father to say, here's how you navigate it. And unfortunately, we know you might not make it out. (laughs) You might not make it out alive, but at least we had those conversations. So if you're a parent of a mixed race uh, child, stop doing this colorblindness. You are hurting your children. Yes. Yeah. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. Especially Thank since you. the majority of children will be multiracial. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we're gonna come we're gonna come back to that. I wanna go to Shayvon because I know she had something to say and then we'll come to you, Flora. I'm trying to figure out how to articulate because I don't wanna dismiss the experiences of other biracial or light skinned or mixed race people by saying that our struggles weren't I just I wouldn't feel too bad for us. That's all that I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think because what we're worried about, we're worried about having our identity affirmed when you have darker skinned people who are worried about their humanity being affirmed. It's not the same type of 
existence and mm. it's not the same type of struggle or concern mm -hmm. about their existence. Our concerns about our existences are completely different. And so I hear, especially what you're saying about your sister and what she had to go through, I also at the same time mm. feel like it's just, it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel the same to me and it doesn't feel like it needs the same type of... The um, stakes aren't the same. Yeah. 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 Do they have it's to It's a be? very different thing. Well, maybe not do they have to be, but I guess when we're asking if we hear about the biracial experience, I, from my experience, I'm like, I, maybe it's because my mom is half white, but I feel that I've been steeped in that. And I have felt like, yes, sometimes there might be someone who is cold to me when I first meet them, but I'm confident upon actually having conversations with them that we could get along. And if not, that's their decision and their choice. But I have never felt like the black community has disregarded biracial people or light-skinned or mixed-race people. I, I felt the most love from the black community. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with the fact that our experiences have not been talked about. Hmm. There was really a study that came out a, a couple of years ago, I think around 2011, 2012, I'll see if I can find the information, that talked about how a lot of biracial or mixed race people feel more accepted by the race that typically is oppressed as opposed to the race that is more oppressive. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't yeah. think that we can completely discount that. As a matter of fact, I sent you some articles about how it's mixed race boys or interracial boys tend to identify as black when there are two races as opposed to mixed race or biracial women who tend to identify as multiracial. So I think mm -hmm. that experiences- yes, yeah, yeah, Because exactly. of masculinity. Masculinity goes with darker skin. Yeah. So in trying to maintain one's hold on masculinity, you're going to identify as black yeah. because in doing so, you have now affirmed that you are indeed a man's Ma man. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are a woman and you identify yourself as black, you've actually just removed some of your femininity. Yes, Mas yes. exactly. Yes. So think about Drake. I mean, didn't he just do a song talking about some? He really a dark skinned dude. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know nothing about this. <laughs> I am saying that, like, he in trying to affirm his masculinity in that way, he's also trying to say that, like, yeah, I am, I am the darkest skin, light skinned dude that you will ever <laughs> he said meet. That. I get that. And I, yeah. I get that. He says something yeah. along those lines. And to what y'all are talking about, I'm, we're talking about proximity in multiple ways, yeah. right? Yes. Both proximity to whiteness as well as proximity to blackness. Yes. And how everybody is wanting a piece. Even white people want a piece yes. of proximity to blackness because yes. it's the culture of cool. Yeah. It's the culture of strength. It is it's, it's the thing leaves. that they use also. It's monetized. Oh, yeah. It's commodified oh, yeah. as, as fuck, right? Oh, yeah, because like, that, that lane? make, like, their mediocrity was only, you know, they, they got to flourish because they were pulling mm -hmm. from black culture because a touch of exotic other makes you better if you're white. Yes, mm -hmm. right? and woman. And I would also say that black fishing happens, but we're not, we don't want to talk about the black fishing. Like the black fishing that happens, they're trying to be mixed. Yes. They're not trying to be black, they're and, trying and, to be mixed. And just so people can know who are watching this, black fishing is essentially when people who are white or European or other or whatever, are essentially putting on darker makeup. Not and to look to black, hashtag, but yeah. to appear biracial. Because yes. they want the touch yeah. of yeah. the so-called exotic right. other without cool. ever having to Experience. denigrate themselves yes. to actually be the thing. So like there were, how many professorships were taken over by so-called 
light-skinned or mixed-race black women who turn out to just be white people. Mm -hmm. Yes. A la right? Rachel. Rachel. Yes. Right? Huh? But more like, than that, yeah. this is a constant thing. And I, yeah. and I know that like people, I know that there's a sensitivity around the so-called gatekeeping of blackness. Um, white people have gatekept whiteness, but black people have never been allowed to gatekeep blackness. And in wanting to gatekeep that blackness, it's almost as though no one wants to understand why blackness is being gatekept while the gates have been thrown open and white people keep robbing it for all it's fucking worth. And there's very little that mm -hmm. is actually being done. So I'm not saying that that is mixed race people's responsibility, right. but it is something that then is like, wait, how are you identifying and how are you behaving? And I really love what you said about the difference between affirmation of self versus affirmation of personhood, yeah. because let's be real, that is written in actual books that mm -hmm. dark-skinned people are simply not people. Right, right. We're that like they are animals, animals. That we are re most related to monkeys. That we don't feel pain. That we're not actual people. And so it is okay to denigrate and harm dark-skinned people. Light-skinned and mixed-race people's humanity is not in question. question. Yeah. I think they, they are people, mm -hmm. but I'm not saying that they're also always well-treated people because I agree. <laughs> I think that the harm that comes, I'm like, that harm is not okay. Color-based prejudice is not okay any more than colorism is okay, but colorism is a system and color-based prejudice is not. Now here is where a lot of the debate lies. On one hand, as Dr. Dada is saying here, dark-skinned people are subjected to colorism, which is a system and should be recognized as such. Oftentimes, though, this gets minimized as anecdotal evidence, which is deemed insignificant because all black people are subjected to racism, right? Well, check this out. In 2011, researchers from Villanova University analyzed the prison sentences of over 12,000 women who were incarcerated between 1995 and 2009. They found that those who were perceived as lighter skinned received sentences that were on average 12% shorter than dark skinned women. Sounds like a system to me. This does not negate the color based prejudice or racism faced by racial and multiracial Americans. In fact, according to the same journal review from Lee and Bean, multiracial adults are less likely than other adults to be college graduates and less likely to be currently married it seems that none of us have gone unscathed. The question now is, are the stakes as high all around? Let's get back to Dr. Donna. So I'm like, yes, you experience racism and you may experience color-based prejudice, but ultimately colorism is not yours to experience. And when dark-skinned people are trying to hang on to humanity and you're saying, but affirm me, I'm looking like, well, black people, dark-skinned black people have, by and large, embraced light-skinned and mixed-race yes, people. There's plenty of statistics on that. And I'm not just talking about the one-to-one -one shit, I'm talking about the system Data. of what it freaking looks like, right? They're, by and large, I'm not saying that there are not people who do not have fucked up experiences because let's be real, everybody's got fucked Absolutely. up experience somewhere. But I also, I put this on, I put this shit like on white people, right? I'm like, number one, I blame white supremacy for all of this shit because that's where the true blame belongs. Mm -hmm. But also, who here wants to hear about white people's fucking issue with racism? I don't. Nobody. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we do have to wrap, but I do want to get to... Couple more. I know it's just so cool. <laughs> we can't end there. 
I know, we're not going to end there. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I want to go to Florida because I know you wanted to yeah. talk and I want to come back to this table too. So go ahead. Okay, so I do want to say the white people teaching in black universities and classes, that's happening in the Afro-Latina community, right, mm -hmm. as well. Where they're teaching leading Afro-Latino classes, seminars, and they are not and black. they look like me or whiter, and they shouldn't be leading and they shouldn't be teaching those classes and taking yeah. up that space. That's one. Regarding your biracial son, this rejection a little of his dad's side, the white side. Yeah. I feel part of that is like you're educating him mm -hmm. on reality, history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And naturally, I think when people say, Am I supposed to hate my white side? I feel like, yeah, kind of, a little. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you yeah. should. Okay, yeah. give you the information yeah. Yeah. and you do it with what you want. Yeah. That's yeah. really how I like it. I mean, I think that that's what's happening. Especially right. like on the college level where now you're an adult, right? I think you should be, yeah, I think you should sort of, I did not care nothing about no Spain. And then, <laughs> and, then and then it turned out that, you know, I took a Spanish course before and I visited Spain. It turned out that the Part of Spain that I was actually attracted to, turn out is Andalusia. It's called. Mm -hmm. Happens to be the part where most likely the Spaniards that went to DR were mm. from. Wow. So there was like an actual connection. But like Spain as a whole, I didn't care. I could care less. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah, you should hate part of that history. Ooh, that's rough. That, the comment section is going to be like, ooh. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that's a great point because that's we what we're getting to is like, is there, yeah. how do you reconcile that? Right. But I know that you look like you wanted to say something, Sam. Like this, you went like this. Yes. 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 Right. So I need to know what you're thinking. <laughs> to me, it's not, I don't care how big your dick is, mm -hmm. right? So I don't want to compare dicks. I don't want to compare pain. Like, oh, your pain is worse. No, my pain is worse. Like we all experience pain and yours is valid. Your voice is important. We need to share and be on the same page. And a lot of times it, it sounds like, like she said, we kind of care, but we don't really. And that's a continuous conversation. And I get it, don't get me wrong, Donna, I get it. But at the no, same time, like how you say, you know, I'm sure you experienced some pain. And I'm like, damn, go ahead and minimize my shit. That hurts, mm -hmm. that hurts. Or to like say my humanity hasn't been under question growing up in West Virginia, like I was scared or, or my, for my safety, life like, I, like I wasn't jumped wow. just for being mixed or just, you know, like hunted every day. Like to say that my safety wasn't something I should be concerned about. Or like when going to like dark and brown spaces that I shouldn't be like, am I safe with you? Like, are you gonna welcome me? Are you gonna turn your back on me? Are you gonna feel insecure? Some, are you gonna be triggered by just my face alone that then all of a sudden you turn on me? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff, but I don't think we do ourselves a service when we start comparing apples and oranges and like da 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 da. Like it's, it's good to share it so but that you, we're all. But you have to compare. I, the only thing I don't agree with is comparing like this pain is no greater than this pain. Because I think what we're. I know from my perspective, I feel like the black community is always looking like, how hard are we finna fight for this? And mm -hmm. when we look at the levels of pain, somebody who is fighting for their life is gonna fight different than somebody who is fighting for the front spot at the line at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Not saying that's what, like, it's not diminishing, but it, you do have to look at the it's levels different. of pain because when it comes down, when the dogs are let out, I know I don't have nowhere to go. 
but I have to figure out based on your pain or what you've experienced, are you going to be standing next to me or am I going to look and there's going to be an empty space? Because mm-hmm. well, I know I can't me, go nowhere. But if you push me, are you expecting me to stand next to you? Well, that's like why I don't push before. people, but I'm just saying that <laughs> but, that level of pain you have to look at because the fight is different. Yeah. I know some people who, when I was in school, I was always black this, black that, black this, because I didn't have no choice but to be because if I didn't make that space for myself, it wouldn't be made. But then I had other friends who were light-skinned biracial who didn't fight as hard, who would kind of like be there. But then once things started getting tough, they're like, well, maybe we should. And they kind of backed up. But they had that ability to do that, and I did it. But I'm sorry that we have to represent that pussy-ass person who didn't fight. (laughs) And that's not the term we should use for that. But that's not the term. You want want to go? We can give you the last word. No, I just, it's... It's not that I want to minimize, because I I have been through that as well. I acutely understand what it feels like to be in black spaces and not be fully black. I get that. I feel that I am trying to highlight the factual, statistical, like statistic-supported differences in our existences. And we have to be honest and open about that if we wish to dismantle colorism, which comes from white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And I, yes, I will say that as a black person, as black people, we have had our humanity dismissed. But it's not in this, I will say that again, it is not in the same way that darker skinned people have had that happen to them. Historically, statistically, in prisons, it, you, can, you can name it. It's, yeah, it's not the same. And I hope that in having these conversations and hearing that out loud, because that's a real thing, light skinned people don't take that as as an attempt to push us out. It's actually just getting us to un- to be honest with and reckon with how we are treated differently versus our dark-skinned brothers and sisters. And but that's, what the, that's assuming that that's how they all think. And so you're putting that on every light-skinned person that doesn't, that we don't think like that. I wanna end there because I think that's a strong way to end because the conversation continues. Listen, the point mm-hmm. of this wasn't even to have a debate. Yeah. The point of this conversation was more so to actually talk about what's happening, the actual reality of what's happening. And according to my ears, what I'm hearing is that there is a lot of trauma, right? Like you said, Alex, and people are just doing the best that they can do. But the best that we can do is that we have to acknowledge what's really happening. There are these systemic ways that things are happening, and then there are these more personal things that are Mm -hmm. happening. And sometimes they get conflated, but they both matter. And I'm trying to figure out, as a creator, as someone who really believes that conversations begin change, I'm trying to figure out, like, how can we have the fucking conversation, honestly, first and foremost? You brought this up too, Alex. We are living in a world that is getting more multicultural, whether you fucking like it or not. Mm -hmm. There is going to come a point where of the majority of the people that exist, especially in a country like this, are going to be of mixed race, they're going to be biracial, multiracial. If we wanna have the world that we say we want to have, which is a world where little kids don't give a fuck about color and they just wanna be happy and skip in the fields, that also means that those children potentially are going to wind up being with each other as adults, right? It's gonna it's going to mean that the future says that things are gonna look differently. And I think that as black people, phenotypically, obviously black people, we have to reconcile with that as well. We have to reconcile with the fact that things are changing, that it's painful, and it, because we just feel like y'all just started acknowledging that we exist four seconds ago because of Issa and them, and now you're telling me that you don't, I can't even speak for myself. It's a lot to reckon with, but we have to be honest, and we have to continue this process. I'm going to let you get the last word and close, Ileana. I really appreciate 
all of you for being mm -hmm. here, for being honest and exposing this. This is a part of the process to get what we want to get next, to be honest about this, and to hear about the experience of biracial folks. Yeah. I want biracial people to be able to be biracial instead of everybody telling you that you're black, because I get confused too. Now we all confused. I'm confused, <laughs> you confused. <laughs> It's starting to change, yeah. but it's going to change even more. Buckle up. Mm -hmm. Get ready, motherfuckers. So thank you so much, Flora. Thank you so much, Juice. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Isam. Thank you so much, Dr. Donna. Thank you, Shayvon. Thank you, my love, our newest addition, <laughs> Tiffany. Ileana, you're an amazing co-host. I'll let you yeah. close out the show, but yeah. I really appreciate y'all for this. It was very brave. Yeah, seriously. Thank you so much. As we were trying to put the show together and thinking up questions and how we're going to navigate the conversation, I even realized that, yeah, we don't have a lot of examples of having an actual conversation about the experience. Not how do you identify, how do you navigate, but the actual experience of the biracial identity and why it is that you move the way that you move alongside black folks who don't have the luxury of passing for anything other than black. And so for us, it was really important to really highlight that in a way that was responsible, which hopefully we did today, but also highlighting the experiences of seeing people who are racially ambiguous with the black label, teaching about anti-blackness, almost using it as a form of black fishing in order to capitalize off of that. I personally, in the anti-racist space that I came from, saw that a lot, where people all of a sudden were black teaching about anti-blackness, teaching about colorism, and you're kind of confused about like, oh, when did that happen? And why isn't a person who isn't racially ambiguous teaching about blackness or teaching about anti-blackness in particular? So it is, we are in a very interesting time, <laughs> in particular after 2020. So we really appreciate you being here. And I hope that we can continue having these conversations. Of course. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. I learned a lot and I certainly feel more empathetic for my biracial fam out there. I hear you and I see you. And I continue to feel inspired to push back against colorist ass systems and call it out. We all deserve better, right? Next week, we will be getting into Latinidad. Who gets to claim Latino identity? What if you don't speak Spanish? How do Latinos view blackness? Come explore with us. Make sure you are subscribed and following us on social media at The Stranger Fruit. Please rate our podcast five stars and remember to be kind to each other. Until next time, peace.